It is time to talk Clipper basketball with Andrew Greif, Clipper writer for the LA Times. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on again. We are curious about the health of the Clippers, and I don't know what you can tell us because they probably don't want to come completely clean with the LA Times, and yet you have your ways. What, what do you know? What can you tell us about uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Yeah, well, these guys in particular, they play everything really close to the vest. Um, they, you know, Kawhi has always for a long time, you know, wanted his health to be paramount. And so Clippers do not really disclose much until they really have to about his health. But what Ty Lue did say last night before they beat the Heat without four starters somehow um, was that they, uh, they, they're they working back to normal, that those guys, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, are getting close to, closer to normal. Now, what that means for a timeline, still unclear, but... I, there are encouraging signs with PG in particular. Uh, before Sunday night's game, uh, when they played and they won, he was out in the court working out before tip-off. It wasn't, uh, you know, like a fully active workout, but he was getting up shots. He wasn't doing a lot of dribbling, a lot of side by sides. What I mean, he was getting up shots, uh, making a healthy clip of them. So the fact that he his swelling in his toe and his right foot has gone down enough to get him uh, back into sneakers, back into shooting form, is at least encouraging in that respect. So Clippers, you know, going big picture as far as what's going to be hopefully for them in the postseason, made a ton of changes over the offseason, you know, coaches and, and some players. How's it all coming together? I think that this week, the, the way they've beaten um, the last two teams while being shorthanded, I think it's an interesting time to, to think about that because um, they really – when they made that move, wanted team, a team to get back to the way it played in 2019, 2018, 2019, when it was um, an underdog, kind of like they, they prided themselves on being scrappy and playing through and being hard-nosed and having good young players. That's what they wanted this team to get back to, and they felt like they'd lost that uh, in the last year. So that's what I think, they, especially the way they beat Miami last night, again, without four starters, um, shooting the lights out, contributions from a number of young players, Amir Coffey, Terrence Mann. Um, that I think is a really, I, I, I think if you were to give everyone like truth serum around the Clippers headquarters today, they'd feel really good about what they, what they just saw because it's sort of like kind of the dream of when they let Doc go. Uh, they wanted these guys to play hard without excuses and how, you know, young guys really shine and the beats the Zubats who've been playing. He's still a backup center, but he's playing the majority of fourth quarter minutes this year. And I think from his form and the other guys, they've really gotten a like of what they see. Andrew Greif joining us, Clippers writer for the LA Times. Uh, and I know they let the coach go, and it's always easier to blame the coach than it is the star player. But man, from a distance, it looked like they lost that mojo they had a couple of years ago because they brought in stars, and it changes the chemistry in the locker room. And Kawhi doesn't seem like an outgoing, warm guy, and maybe he is, and maybe he just hides it from the public and hides it from the media. But it was like it seemed like his presence was a bigger part of this deal. I mean, the other guys, when he's not there, they can do this, and they did it two years ago, and I realize the supporting cast isn't exactly the same, but is Kawhi really cemented to the rest of the group, I guess? That's something that has been really helpful to hear from Serge Ibaka about. Because remember, they played together and they won together championship mm-hmm. in, in Toronto. They know each other really well. Um, they they've kind of understand what it takes to win big. And but Serge had said that when he got here in training camp, in December, he told Kawhi, like, you are the leader. 
you need to be the guy whose example we follow. Like that's like, you know, you have to be a little more vocal in that way and recognize that like um, you are going to be able to do kind of your own thing a lot of ways um, because everyone really caters to, you know, well, obviously a free agent to be of his caliber will want to do, but you, you know, you also have to set an example. Um, and we asked Serge again two nights ago about, you know, just what have you seen from Kawhi kind of a, um, two months in, and he said that he's been much more vocal, um, much more willing to engage. He said he feels like Kawhi's learned from last year's failures of the team. Um, and so that is one kind of piece of the development where, you know, it's not just Serge. Other teammates have said that Kawhi definitely has been more, um, kind of, I guess, less at a remove from the rest of the team in terms of the day-to-day. I don't know if motivation is the right word, but just to kind of the encouragement, the talking, um, and, and I think that is he is more of that guy than his public persona would suggest. But even to, even behind the scenes, people say that he's been uh, kind of more outspoken this year than ever before. Where do you see weaknesses on this team? Um, you know, I think that one of the things that always gets pointed at is their, their kind of lack of a quote-unquote pure point guard. Um, I tend to be a little a little skeptical about it just because there are a lot of opportunities, but when Kawhi, George, Kawhi and Paul George are playing well, the ball is in their hand uh, almost all the time. And they, they both have usage rates above 30%, I believe, this year. Um, they are Paul George is the best distributor on the team, and it's really worked out well for them so far. So given kind of what they have to deal, given their financial flexibility, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to really go out and get a bunch of upgrades from Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. Um, they're, you know, they're kind of their starting guard. And they're obviously their lead reserve guard. Um, so I think that that is one area that is kind of pointed to as, well, they need someone to initiate the offense more often when things get bogged down. But the reality of how you would go out and get that, I think, is a little hard. Um, some people have talked about, too, okay, is the big man. They need a third big man. Could Evita Zubats, you know, be that guy down the stretch in playoff games again? How is Serge Ibaka going to hold up? Um, both those guys in the last week have played their best basketball of the season, so that it's not a it's not a long term fix necessarily. You don't really know how it'll pan out in the playoffs, but um, that's been an encouraging thing too for the Clippers. That kind of the big man depth um, seems to be working out pretty well right now. So there are plenty of people here who wonder what the rest of the world thinks of the Jazz. What does your part of the rest of the world think about the Jazz? I think they're just incredibly impressive. You know, I watched last night's game um, against the Sixers, and uh, we just wrapped. You know, it's just like because you don't get a whole lot of time sometimes to be able to watch the rest of the teams on the league, uh, where you're just kind of head in the sand covering your own team. But I try to watch the Jazz every opportunity I get. I just think that it's so the defense is so impressive. Um, the ball movement, especially a couple nights ago, and obviously there were like the highlight reels where. You know, guys are throwing it behind the back and then whipping it across the court. Those things stand out, but I think that there's just so much more that happens um, play to play with the ball movement that I'm just really impressed with. Obviously, the way Jordan Clarkson's playing is, is you know, uh, unbelievable. And so I, I'm just really impressed. Like all the way down, Royce O'Neal just seems to give like he gives big minutes, uh, big shots. This seems like a very extremely complete, very a team that really knows what it is, and I think that's. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but just it just seems to be a team that knows exactly what it what it does well, exactly what it has to do to win. And in this season, when there's so much uncertainty and there's so little continuity for teams because of testing protocols or other absences, or a compressed schedule or attrition, 
I think it's extremely valuable to know exactly what you are as a team. And Utah seems to at least know that down to a T. I think from the Jazz perspective, I think it's important to finish with that one seed. So if it plays out, you have the Clippers and Lakers going against each other in the second round. And then if you were to win, you would obviously face the winner in the conference final. Uh, How much do you think the Clippers care about playoff positioning? In the past, it was always, let's just get to the postseason healthy. Because there was a confidence that... You know, whatever the postseason path, obviously you want to have the most favorable one possible, but it was always the thought that as long as this roster can get their healthy, um, they feel good about their chances. You know, they just thought that the health is the key. Because if, if you, you, don't have, you don't have, you know, your top seven in, in about pretty good shape, then you're, you're sunk almost no matter what you do. Um, this team, I don't know, is quite as deep as last year's Clippers when they had the league top scoring bench. Um, not the case this year. Um, they started off slowly with the bench. Um, you know, you've, you've had Nick Batum work in. He's been really good. Uh, Luke Kennard has some questions. So I think they just really want to make sure that they get to the playoffs um, with the roster feeling like, okay, these guys are good. We can play them in the heavy minutes. We don't have to worry about um, nagging injuries. But, the, you know, obviously the West, let's play the way the Lakers and the uh, Jazz are playing. You want to be able to skip one of those if possible. So I, I don't doubt that if it came down to it, um, they would love to grab that one seed. But I'm just curious, obviously, with Anthony Davis out, um, you know, and the Clippers shorthanded, like how much of a buffer Utah can really put between itself and the rest of the West, the other, you know, two arguably best teams in the West in the next two or three weeks with, with Anthony Davis being reevaluated. That's something that I'm really curious about. Like how much, how hard will it be to truly chase down the Jazz? Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer for the L.A. Times, joining us. So as I see these uh, Clippers stars missing games, uh, there's there's a part of me that loves a good conspiracy theory. Isn't there part of all of us that loves a good conspiracy theory? Is there any chance they're kind of underlining these uh, injuries and, you know, when in doubt, have a guy sit out, partly because you want him to get healthy and partly because then you can pull him out of the All-Star game without getting fined? Um, I don't I don't necessarily think so. I think that they, again, they just rather have these guys. This is a compressed season. Um, you know, what you do, you have a little, you have less ground to make up on other teams for that positioning. So I, I don't know if that would be the reason why. I mean, Patrick Beverly definitely was held out last night against Miami for rest. He's healthy, but because of his injury history, he just came off a stretch where he missed eight straight games with a knee injury. They're no longer playing him in back-to-backs. It sounds like that's what Ty Lue had said last night that. It's a cautious thing. Um, they played Sunday. They played Monday. He played excellent Sunday, and they said, you're just not going to play anymore Sunday. Excuse me, Monday. So that was an example of that. Now, he's not in the running for the All-Star game. Um, Kawhi Leonard had come out and said that the NBA was putting you know, money over health. That was uh, a pretty remarkable thing to hear him say. So you know how he feels about it. But I, I guess I would be surprised um, if – this sort of, you know, holding a guy like him, like of his caliber out for multiple games would be with that in mind. How much of a difference in, in what areas is Ty Lue making? He is someone when he was hired that the Clippers really felt like he would be an upgrade in his communication with guys. Um, one, because he is younger. Um, he's not that far removed from his playing career. It's been a decade, but... Um, but a lot of guys still remember him um, from being the player. You know, Marcus Morris has known him since he was much younger, coming up in Philly. 
Um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have had a previous relationship with him. So there's, there was already built-in trust there, and even Marcus said it last night, that last year he felt like he was in no man's land in terms of what his role was, what was needed from him. And Ty was very explicit very early on of, this is what we need. Um, in fact, you know, he's basically said, you're me coming off the bench. Nick Batum is working so well. Like, and Marcus said, okay, let's do it. So that's, that's one area where people feel like he is um, uh, kind of better at defining roles and better at just keeping people on the same page. I think the hallmark of his, uh, what you're going to see on the court is the ball movement. Um, the, the passes are something that um, is a big deal for the Clippers. They really felt like last year's offense was way too star dependent. You know, if, if Kawhi and Paul George didn't generate it, uh, then they were stuck. And that's where the, the, the point guard issue really came up last year because they really did need someone who could get things moving when it wasn't just the stars. But it was so star dependent um, that it was, it was a problem in the end. This year, obviously things still run through Kawhi and Paul George, but um, you've seen a much bigger emphasis on getting the ball moving around, you know, getting into the paint, kicking out. The paint touches are probably the top category um, of statistic that Ty Lue tracks the most because he feels like once you get into the paint, you can open up everything from there. And so you're seeing a lot of kickout passes for threes, and that's why they are the league's top shooting three-point team. Um, so that's where I think that everything is still going to run through the two stars uh, whenever they get back. Um, but what the the hallmark of the Ty Lue era is, I would say, is that um, it really doesn't end with those two guys. It starts with them. It doesn't end with them. Is there anybody in the West, whether it is Phoenix, uh, Denver, if they were to improve, anybody who you think could get into that four or five series and be a problem for whoever the one seed ends up being, whether it's the Jazz, the Lakers, or the Clippers? I, both those teams you just mentioned are, are teams that um, I, I still think that whether they could you know, really knock out a team of one seed, I don't know, but... Uh, I guess we're deep enough into the year where you can start 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 to take stock of a team's strengths and weaknesses, and those teams are not, I guess, um, as strong as I thought maybe the first week of the season, first two weeks. Um, but I would I would not bet against Chris Paul. You know, he's a guy who's just a winner, and so I like that matchup. If you're if you're the Suns and you're going in, you're saying, hey, it's bubble 2.0. Like we have nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and have fun. That's a dangerous team. They still remember what they did in the bubble last year, going eight and zero. So I think that that would be a team that you would want to avoid. Denver is is something the Clippers would probably want to avoid, just because of you know last year they've seen how those matchups can work against them. Um, it's a different team, obviously, but I really still like what Denver can do. Um, their their top end talent, their ceiling is so good with Jokic at the, at the core of it. That yeah, that's a team that I don't think anyone wants to see. And the Clippers. Although they're not going to have the same matchup problems that really sank them against the Nuggets, you know, they don't have Montrez Harrell to match up against Jokic for minutes on end and get picked apart for minutes on end. Um, it's still something where you know you're gonna have to deal with Jamal Murray. You're still gonna have to deal with Michael Porter Jr. You should have to deal with Jokic, and that's gonna be really hard no matter what. He's Andrew Greif, LA Clipper writer for the LA Times. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thank you, Robert.